All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Oilers Nation Radio, episode 90. The Joey Juno episode. That, right? That was a good pull, huh? Great pull. Joey Joe Juno? Juno. Joey Juno. Come on, man. Played for the Capitals. Played for the Bruins. Yeah, he wasn't an oiler. I just no, no, he had a pulled that good, one out of my he had, a, he had a couple good years, too. Yeah, shout out to Joey Juno. Um, I want to thank all the boys for being here. Of course, Rick is here. Tyler Remchuk. What are you snacking on there, buddy? Mm, a little pizza that I made in my air fryer. Mm. Oh, nice. And, of course, we've got Nation Dan here. Although, is he still Nation Dan? I saw you uh, talking about a new Twitter handle, my friend. Well, yeah, we're working on it. We're workshopping it. We're checking to see what's available, what's not available. But, yes, for now, the Nation Dan. I'm what are you going to change it to? Dan from Halifax. Well, we don't know. We're talking, <laughs> about, we're talking about all kinds of different things. And it's, not, and it's not because I'm leaving the nation or anything. It's just, it's just a change, you know, just to see what, uh, see what sticks to the wall. I'm going to start it. A rumor that you're leaving the nation, so don't worry about it. Yeah, Dan's, Dan's leaving the nation. I'm joining the uh, athletic. He's writing yeah. an article right now. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> SB Nation, Dan. Um, what episode is it, Meg Milk? Sorry? Number 90. Number 90. Oh, what? Logan Day. Logan Day wore 90 at training camp, I guess. Anybody else? No, that's it. Well, just Logan. Logan. Di- so I'm sticking with Joey Juno then. That's yeah, there you go. Uh, I, I want to go ahead and shout out our friends at Sherwood Ford, the Giants, for uh, helping make all of this possible. Go ahead and follow them on Twitter, at Sherwood Ford, and on Instagram, at Sherwood Ford underscore the Giants. They are posting all kinds of new vehicles on their Instagram account. I love them. They're also helping out with service and anything else you need because they are fine folks with fine vehicles and fine personalities, and they're also very, very handsome. That's just my opinion, but I think it would also be your opinion as well. Go check out Sherwood Ford in beautiful Sherwood Park, Alberta. What happened? Uh, nothing. Nothing. I, I buffered there for a second. I got a text. <laughs> I got a text message from Gregor, and I was just like, I was trying to read it, and I'm like, I don't even know if this is in English, man. But I that's okay. I'll were, deal. I'll deal with that later. Um, I thought you were waiting for us to give you some kind of like Sherwood Park line there. And I just, just took I a big bite know. of pizza, and I was like, oh boy, I don't think I can talk right now. <laughs> I was we are professionals. Yeah, no, we are going to blame Gregor for this. He is. Uh, he just posted an article on. Weathersnation.com about offense in the playoffs. And will it be heightened? Especially in the playing round, because guys haven't played for, according to his math, 122 days. So, 
this was all in a text message, by the way, uh, fellas. <laughs> so there's a lot of uh, numbers in here. So I was trying to uh, process the information here he on the fly. Did you a, a whole article? No, he didn't text oh, me a whole article, but he did text me a sizable portion of what he was talking about in it. I mean, <laughs> I envision Gregor just like sitting down and then quickly being like, and I have an article idea, and then just sitting on his phone and texting it all to you for you to post. Like, <laughs> 1,200 words just hammered out without him stopping. I have been posting and helping Gregor post articles and add images and videos and whatever he needs for a long time now, six years at least. And, uh, <laughs> My favorite is when I get to do it on location, wherever he's at, because the laptop, like Gregor is a successful dude. Mm -hmm. The laptop that guy is running is shockingly old. I don't know how to use it. Everything is all squished. His, he's got a million tabs open. They don't run well. Anyway, Gregor, point here. Get a new laptop, I guess. Anyway, on Monday, we are getting <laughs> closer to having hockey back, gentlemen, and it's exciting for me. Phase two of the NHL's return to play plan kicked off on Monday, we meaning that there's Coombe. We are back on the ice, meaning that groups of six or less can practice together. Uh, one interesting angle added by TSN's Ryan Rashog. I didn't know that if you pick your six, you got to stick with those six all the way through. You can't mix and match. So my first question to you before we move on to training camps that kick off on July 10th, how would you like to see the Oilers tearing up for these early skates, whatever you want to call them, these voluntary workouts until training camp kicks off on the 10th of July. Just I, to clarify that, just to clarify that though, just, sorry, Bank Milk, but it's if you pick your six, that's the group of six you're with. It's not that they only can have six players training, right? Yeah, you can have multiple groups of six people, but okay. once you're in a group sorry. of six, you need to continue skating with that six. My brain was on that one. Yep. There you go. Perfect. Thanks. So th this, for this first group, it just seemed like whoever was in town got on the ice and started playing together. But it also brings kind of an interesting angle. Let's say, uh, I mean, Tyler, you wrote about line combinations the other day. Let's yep. say the whole second line comes back to town. Would you prefer to see Nuge, Dreisaitl, Yamamoto, a couple of defensemen working together, or do you not care at this point? For me... Sometimes the best way to find something is to not look at all. So I think they should just, kind of like they would do in gym class when you're in elementary school, line everyone up, and I want Dave Tippett to just go like one, two, three, four, five, six. One, and just... Sticks in the middle. Yeah, sticks in the, in the middle. middle. Just completely random. Maybe you'll find some chemistry. Uh, but in all seriousness, no, I think they should try. Like I would hope that like McDavid, Nuge, Leon, Yamamoto, maybe even Cassian, like, maybe the top six forwards all just kind of go, hey... Let's all roll back into town on July 1 or June 25, and let's start skating then, and let's try to keep us six in a cluster so that we can start working together. And since there's, you know, skilled players in the top six, they, they can have drills that work for skilled forwards in the top six kind of thing. I think that's probably the way to go. What's the distance between, like, because some guys, like Ovechkin right now is, is skating in Florida with a bunch of NHLers, right? So he's not in Washington. He's not skating with his own teammates. What kind of timeline does he need to go between leaving that ice surface and say going to Washington and skating with his own play and skating with his own teammates? Because you know, if it's not if it's no not a thing, like why would Connor come home right now when you know um, training camp starts on the on the whatever the tenth? Well, that's gonna be an interesting question too. Like Connor, like, what's, what's, in... the what's the Russian coming home right now? Like well, if Connor, really maybe, maybe Connor, maybe Connor's skating with with better players out there or whatever. Maybe he's more comfortable being around Gary Roberts or whatever. Everyone's going to have their own, their own little um, different nuances here. But I want to know what kind of timeline between skating outside of your city between and skating in your, uh, you know, with your teammates. Well, Rashaga also tweeted about that yesterday. He spoke to the fact that uh, the Canadian government and the federal government is looking to do something about the 14 day quarantine that guys are going to have to go through if they want to come back to Canada. Um, so yeah, that, I think that's kind of, that really pertains to us, uh, not only being a hub city, but also for training camp and trying to get the guys back into the same area together. Right. Like, cause, cause guys like uh Clefbaum, who are in Sweden right now can't come back without waiting 14 days after they arrive. So yeah, it's, there's all kinds of still logistical stuff there. I almost that part has kind of been interesting to me, the 14 day quarantine thing, because I was actually hoping 
Um, there were some rumblings on Twitter earlier this week that we would have a Hub City announcement at some point today. I was hoping that it would happen before we started recording the podcast, but no such luck. I almost wondered if, and I know there's no rush, Rick is 100% right, but I almost wondered if because of that 14-day quarantine, if the Oilers maybe say to a guy like Clefbaum, hey man, you're going to have to quarantine for uh, for two weeks. You got a, You got a house here, I assume, or a place that he stays anyway. Just make your way back here, and then we'll deal with it later. You yeah, like you'd you'd want him back before, obviously, two weeks before day one of training camp, if nothing has changed, right? We kind of assume things will change in terms of the government and let these players back, but if nothing changes, you're going to want him back at least two weeks before um, day one of training camp. This way, you can get us two weeks in and and be ready to roll. I, I also think, like, obviously, we're guessing here because on Tuesday, I wrote for the nation that the NHL was hoping to start training camp in mid July. And then two days later, there was the announcement from the NHL and the PA being like July 10th, let's roll. So things change very, very quickly. By the time you even listen to this podcast, maybe there's some new news. I don't know. I don't know. Tyler, do you care when boys get back in town or should they just be doing their thing? Yeah, just let them do their thing. I don't really give a shit. Um, as long as you're back and ready <laughs> to go for training camp, I don't care if you take, Oh, excuse me. I was eating trail mix. I got something stuck in my throat. That's what he doesn't care. He's, he's munching on Next trail guy. <laughs> So we got, he had some pizza here and some trail mix. Tyler Uremchuk pulling a Jay Downton and having snacks during the pod. Yeah, it was pretty Doesn't angry. bring um, anything but no, to the like, office for it. Whatever, man. Just get back. I'd just be, I'd be sending out a blanket statement to the players being like, hey, we, the rink is open. If you want to come early, get your two-week quarantine, with over, two-week quarantine over with and start skating in groups of six. We would love it. If not, you better be here July 10, and you better be ready for group activities July 10, not rolling into Edmonton and being like, I'll see you guys on the 24th. i got to stay in my hotel for two weeks. Like, Just be ready well, to go to, for training camp. And to that point, too, think about the Boston Bruins right now and how, much, how, how big of a bullet they dodged with one of their players testing positive for for covid and then now you know yeah but they didn't, they didn't even say where he was though no but that's what i'm saying is that if they had had him back in a group of six maybe you have six players all of a sudden that have covid uh um, but they it so happened it, in germany with the soccer players and that didn't escalate at all no right. but it, it's just it's just every time you put together a bigger group of people you're exponentially increasing the chances of issues coming up like like happened with boston it's happened with pittsburgh happened with the senators every one of those teams has had has had that issue but yeah i mean it's it's part of the risk of of coming back as as we are trying to come back before an immunization but yeah it's just uh it's it's wild to think uh looking at the calendar here so if training camp kicks off on july 10th that's a friday um they would have to be in town for like this two-week quarantine period no later than the 25th, which is the Thursday. So the two weeks would take them up to the 9th. So that would give the guys just under two weeks to get back here. Uh, again, obviously that depends on what happens with the Canadian government. Like like Dan um, said a little bit earlier, Rashad tweeted that they are working on it um, to see if they can get it passed on that. Another question, seeing as we're moving into phase three in a few weeks here, uh, just how has your opinion changed and this is actually going to be a mailbag question on Monday that I thought was interesting. With training camp starting on July 10th, how has your opinion changed in the three months since the last game? Have you gone from this season's going to be canceled, fuck sakes, to where we are now? Because today, actually, uh, as we're recording this, it's three months exactly since the NHL shut it down. How's your opinion changed over these last three months? I I'm I think it's you can go ahead, Rick. Actually, you're passionate. I think it's been I think it's been pretty uh, pretty standard. I was always hopeful, and I think the the loudest words were you know like mid July August for uh, training camp playoffs. So I think we've been kind of lucky to to run along the timeline that they've pretty pretty much put out earlier. I'm Tyler. I'll go ahead before you because I'm a little bit more passionate than you. Yeah, um, good call. The, uh, he's got trail mix again there. Yeah. The uh, the the thing for for me with the, with the whole the whole process has just just been it's been it's been really refreshing to see for the most part that the league has really handled it. I feel like well, uh, 
other than maybe trying to rush in a draft that, that has suddenly gone away, that conversation has, has dissipated since then. Um, the league has just really handled everything well, and the PA and the league are working together, which is something that's rare for us to see. You you watch a baseball example, and Tyler can kind of probably speak yeah. more to this, but you know that there's there's baseball where they had they had pivoted themselves and had themselves set up to open up on July the fourth, Independence Day. Everything about it was perfect. But the PA and the league have just absolutely fumbled that ball, and they sit now idle and and have no real plan for for getting baseball done. So it's just it's it's been impressive to watch. For myself, I've I'm kind of always been in the same spot. August has always been my August September was where I thought we were going to get playoff hockey if we were going to get it, and then you know if they canceled it, they canceled it. Uh, I'm happy that they're still pushing for it and still trying to get this season done. And I think that's more selfishly as an Oilers fan than than anything else, just because I want to see our team in the playoffs. But yeah, I, I'm pretty much at the same spot. It's just it's just it's been refreshing to watch the PA and the NHL work well together ahead of another CBA that we have to talk about soon. Naturally, I consider myself a bit of a pessimistic person, and everyone listening to this podcast <laughs> probably goes like, yeah, no shit. Um, and... <laughs> and I was pessimistic about this whole thing. Like, when the season got canceled, I was like, or when it got put on pause, I considered it canceled. I was like, it's probably not coming back. And as we rolled along, I was like, what is this season ever going to look like? Obviously with no fans, but like hub cities. The whole time I was just like, it's not going to feel like the real Stanley Cup playoffs. It's not going to feel legitimate. And even a part of me right now, it, it's less so right now, but still, I'm just like, you know, it's summer here in Edmonton. It's beautiful out. I have enough things to distract me from hockey for the next two, three months that if they would have came out two weeks ago and said, hey, the season's done. We're starting again in September with the 2021 or 2020 2021 season. I probably wouldn't have been too upset of it or about it. But now that there's a date on it, and now that I'm starting to kind of wrap my head around what it's going to look like, how this is all going to work, I am getting excited. I am. I'm. I'm thrilled that the league is coming back, and that's honestly not something <laughs> I thought I'd be saying. I didn't think I'd be saying that a month ago. Honestly, I didn't think I would. I. I, I thought I'd be more pessimistic about it. But I'm not. And I think to Dan's point, a lot of that credit for me being happy and excited goes to the league and the players kind of putting their differences aside and saying, we need hockey to be back and we're going to find a way to make it work. And I'm really happy that that they found a way to do that. And we're not sitting here. You know, if we were a baseball podcast right now, we'd be pissed. We'd be sitting here talking about what a shit show the owners are. Why buy baseball teams if you hate the sport of baseball? We'd be sitting there talking about the players and some of us may be making an argument that they're being selfish and they should shut up and go to work and do stuff for the fans who, who pay money to watch these guys. So I'm happy that the league was able to make this work and that they seem to be on the same page. And August 3rd, 4th, hockey's going to be back and I'm excited that it will be. Tyler, just since you brought up baseball a couple of times, so did Dan. Could you uh, just give us a little, a little bit of context for people that don't know what's going on in baseball right now? So basically, their season never even got started. And when things were canceled, there was a general sense that, you know, there's an opportunity, as Dan said, for baseball to come back on July 4th, one of the biggest days on the calendar south of the border. It would be this great hurrah moment of sports returning. Baseball on July 4th, all is right in the world. And they dropped the ball big time. They're arguing over money. The owners are saying they barely make anything and they can't afford to pay the players if there's not a full season and they need the playoff money, blah, 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 blah. The players are sitting there going, if we play half the games, we deserve half the pay. The owners are kind of going, well, if you play half the games, but there's no fans, how about we give you 35% of the money? And they've basically just been squawking back and forth, fighting in the media, fighting on social media about money. And it's really frustrating. And it's a terrible look. It comes off as incredibly tone deaf at a time where people have lost their jobs, where people miss sports, where people want that sense of nor normalcy. And the owners and players are fighting over their millions of dollars and who gets more. Like, it sucks. And just not to continue the baseball conversation too much, because this is a hockey podcast, but, but to the point too there, Tyler, baseball was the, is the sport that everybody kind of points to when, when shit gets real, you know, real tough around the world. That baseball is kind of the sport that just continues to come back and yeah. it, helps, it helps heal people and it helps people get back to normal. And here we are. You know, talking about baseball, just absolutely fumbling it. Yeah, and like you go back, uh, remember on 9-11 when George Bush walked yeah. out in front of Yankee Stadium and threw that pitch. Like that was such a big rallying moment. 
for people in the U.S. And baseball has always kind of had that. I mean, it's America's pastime, right? It's always had that feel-good side of it. And, man, the 30 people, the 30 families or whatever that own baseball teams right now, they are shitting the bed. Before we move on to the Sherwood Ford giant question of the week, uh, I, I got to uh, ask a little uh, personal question here. Tyler, what is your favorite part of the trail mix you're you're eating right now? Well, this is the one I got from Costco. So it's the Kirkland brand that has the M&Ms. But they also wow. have... A, Costco didn't even pay for that. Yeah, I'm sorry. But they also have another one there that has like little yogurt chips in it and cranberries. And I like the combination of yogurt chips and cranberries in that one. But in the one I'm eating right now, I don't think you can have a favorite part of trail mix, if I'm being honest. It's all about the combination of flavors, like and how they're dispersed. When I reach in here, I want one M&M, I want one of these little raisins, I want one almond, and I want one, I think this is a peanut. And it's delicious. You know, there's one thing I'll say. Bagnell, Bagnell, you have an eye for content that is just going to go perfectly, and that was one of them right there. I am, uh, I just, I'm going to selfishly throw in that I think Tyler is 100% wrong. You can absolutely have a favorite part of trail mix, and it is always the M&M's. Always Okay, but then, but then you're not appreciating the trail mix. You just want to eat M&M's, so just go buy a fucking bag of M&M's. Well, I mean, I'm trying to pretend that I'm healthy by also eating, uh, you know, nuts raisins. that are very well salted and raisins as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Rick. Rick understands me. Uh, all right. <laughs> that brings us now, gentlemen, time for the Sherwood Ford Giant Question of the Week. Giant, giant, giant. Sherwood Ford Giant Question of the Week. As I finish chewing up a mouthful of trail mix. <laughs> There is a report going around at Jessup Pugliarvi. Well, I mean, it's not really a report. There's a story going around. Jessup Pugliarvi, for sort of the second time in, since the shutdown, first time to our friend Larvenin, I believe, right, Bag Milk? That's correct. Yeah, in late April, yeah. Jesse Pugliarvi was playing some vids on Twitch, and he was asked about a possible return to the Edmonton Oilers. And again, for the second time, or I guess the first time, he said, never say never. And he says it again. So my question is centered around Pugliarvi saying never say never in the Oilers. It seems like his tone is starting to change. So would you say there is a more or less than 50% chance that Yesa Pugliarvi plays a ga- another game for the Edmonton Oilers? And that's, it's a simple one, but I'm throwing it out there because these comments are starting to change people's minds. Not really changing mine, but I'll get your guys' take first. I'm optimistic. I'll go yes. Well, I figured Rick would go... I mean, you've always been in Pugliarvi's corner, so I figured I've always, well, I always yes. said, you know what, I think this is the way it's going to end up turning out, is that eventually he's going to have to uh, take a couple steps towards the middle. We've got new guys here in Tippett and Holland, and I always, always said, you know, if they went there and showed him the love, that I think he'd be able to get over some of uh, some of his disappointment and, and, and his hard feelings about his time here, and I still stand by that. And I think uh, Holland's proven that that's his best option and because no team out there has offered us anything and it's not going to, the offers aren't going to get any higher. So if he wants to play, he might as well just come over and it's kind of like tuck your tail, come over, let's start fresh and uh, let's see what we can't do. Dan, what do you think? I listen to Rick and he is ever the optimist and I appreciate that. Right, and I now. want, and I want to believe that that's the case. Hey, fifty-one forty-nine in terms of him coming here, is, is on the over. So you can take the over here. Good enough. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the media is still... Bob and Jack both came out today and had a little tweet about it, too. Yeah. What did, really they, what did they say to paraphrase? Uh, they pretty much said his best option is to come here, and neither one of them would have been surprised if he does. Those are two guys okay. who are pretty well connected. So if they're coming out and yeah. saying that, there's weight behind it. On, and they're coming, and they're doing it on their own. Like there was no real talk before it. There was that little blurb that came out, but they didn't have to say anything on it. I didn't see anybody uh, putting anything towards them, asking for their response. So I think they put their response out there, kind of on it's, their own, which does have a little more weight to me. It's the move makes sense, right? Like give a guy another chance with with the roster that is way more or way more filled in than than it was when he was forced into the. The role so is, the, so is the player. So is the player. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, he's he's two years young or two years older than than he was when uh, when this nightmare started. But yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I just there's there's still that part of me that just thinks that 
he's going to end up he's going to end up having to walk away from the Oilers, whether it's via trade or or what. If when this, I look at it, oh, sorry, no, when I look at it, I think of uh, first of all, I got to give Ken Holland a lot of credit, and I wrote it in my article today because if this was still Pistol Pete at the helm and Jesse Pugliarvi <laughs> asked for a trade, you know he's moving him for a fifth-round pick or something stupid like that. Whereas Uncle Ken, he said it multiple times last season, in the offseason, and even during the year, that he was in no rush. He's like, go play in Finland. I don't care. I have a price in mind. And if that's not met, then we're not going to trade him. And I really, really appreciated that tactic with him. I thought it was great. And again, what are we talking about here? Is he, he's like a 23-year-old kid. Maybe he needed some time, got a little bit of confidence back over in Finland. He had a good season in, in, in the Finnish league. Maybe some fences are being mended. Maybe there's a bridge that's being built. Maybe it's time for him to come back and see the opportunity that he has with the team because I just I have a real hard time, even if, even if he wants a pump-and-dump trade to somewhere else, I have a real hard time believing that playing with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on that team would hurt that opportunity. Even that third line looks pretty nice right now. I'm giving you the air horns bag milk because you, you hit the nail on the head, man. The, the patience Holland showed here in waiting and waiting and kind of letting Puli Yarvi go do his own thing in Finland and not just getting rid of him for the sake of getting rid of him. He deserves a lot of credit. And, you know, at times I got a little frustrated and would say, you know, just get him out of here. Third round pick, his value is not going to go up. But this is why you pay Ken Holland five million bucks a year or whatever they're giving him, right? To make these savvy veteran moves. And at this time, the best move was not making a move at all. So if he does come back and I'm still on the under of 50%, I think it's Ken Holland who deserves way more than 50% of the credit. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, just to round out this topic, I think, I, I mean, I'll take the over at the 5149. I think that it's time. The only concern I have is that. Um, I just hope that the players in the room don't care about the baggage and the public trade me requests from the agent. And I hope that doesn't matter and that they would also give them an opportunity. I think they would, but again, I don't know any of them. There was was a guy who asked for a trade uh, last winter sometime who just got a three or four year, three year contract there, four year contract. So that's very, that's very, very true. Again, Zach Cassian asked for a trade. That was like somewhere around Christmas as well. Yeah. Um, Two Christmases ago. So just to round out this topic, I posted the article last night on this nation. It was about eight o'clock. I just want to read some of the feedback about Jesse Pugliarvi from Oilers fans. So this is what some people out in the streets are thinking, people on the Twitter machine. So Uh-oh. just Jesse Pugliarvi on the possibility of an Oilers return says, never say never. Uh, Ryan is the first guy and says, doesn't play NHL hockey. I don't care. Scud. Shout out to Scud. He just, uh, he just says pool party. So he's excited. <laughs> but Bubba says, go hang that tongue out the rear window of someone else's minivan. I mean, I, I kind of like the visual on that one, but Bubba's not a big fan. Kim says, I don't want any of that. Kim, not a fan. Andrew just says, nope. So Cal Dave says, I never gave up hope. Get back here. Um, Berta J says, it's 2020. Stranger things have happened. So it's very split. Oilers fans are very, very split on whether or not they think that Pooley Ivory should come back. So, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, we're and I, and I wrote, again, I wrote in the article. It's like I don't necessarily think we're anywhere close to finding a resolution on this, but it is interesting to see his tone change from "I'm never going to play for the Edmonton Oilers again" or whatever his agent said to "Never say never." Windows open. Maybe he slides on in there. Slides in like a, a risky DM coming think- back. So there you have it. Sherwood Ford giant question of the week. Jesse Pooley-Arvey, we'll see. We'll see. Just like Justin Bieber said, never say never. Um, looking at other Oilers news, Dmitry Samorukov. This morning, a report out of Russia came out that says he signed a one-year deal with CSK Moscow of the KHL. And what's interesting about this is that he just wrapped up his first year of a three-year ELC. I mean, it got cut, cut, cut short, obviously, because the AHL season got canceled. So my question to you boys is, any concern that he's taking off to Russia or are you in the camp that I'm in seeing that the guy wants to play the KHL is set to kick off in September at some point, And we still don't know where the AHL is going to be, when they're going to start. What do you guys think about Samorakov signing over in the KHL on a one-year deal? Uh, 
I, I think, think so. yeah, just with, with the AHL season next year still kind of being up in the air, and I did read that Ken Holland, I think, is going to be a part of, like, the board that kind of handles how they'll, they'll do play the AHL season next year. But I think this is just a chance to get a guy playing, still playing against men, still playing against good competition, but get him maybe some more regular minutes and get him to a place where there's definitely going to be a league next season. It's not like this is Samurikov packing up his bag and saying, one year in the minors is enough for me. I'm going home. This is the Oilers loaning him to Russia. By all accounts, Ken Holland is on board with this decision. So I, I give it a big thumbs up. It's a chance to develop a prospect in a different league, but players develop in the KHL as well. So I'm all for it. Well, yeah. And like in, in the player in Samurikov, we're talking about a guy that uh, that went from the, uh, the OHL to the AHL last year, uh, had 45 points. Also, just let me know if it's getting too loud here. All of a sudden, there's some work going on outside of my house. Um, but in the OHL, he had 45 points in 59 games. And then in the AHL last year, he had 10 points in 47 games. Obviously, a shortened season. But you, you, see a, you see a regression of sorts from a player. Um, I don't watch the guy enough to consistently to know um, whether he is you know, if that was a regression or if it was just the, the expected drop from the, the OHL to the AHL. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think that one of the things that we all talked about when we got Ken Holland is there's a the guy that has the patience to be able to see through the development of, of players, specifically defensemen. Um, and so Holland has stuffed those cupboards full of defensemen that, that can come up hopefully in the next couple of years and, and really make an impact on this team. So I think that Having some more cough over in, the, in Russia, like you said, Beck Milk gets him playing hockey games, hopefully um, COVID-free and, and not having to deal with any of those issues. But then also it just it just allows the player to, to go over there, play his hockey, come back next year fresh, you know, hit training camp if he wants to, and maybe he's in the AHL next year. But yeah, it's 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 a it's only a positive thing I think for a player of his caliber right now. He's not. We're not talking about him making the Oilers possibly next year versus going to the KHL. We're talking about him being the AHL versus the KHL. See, I think he'd be in the AHL uh, this year if nothing was if we didn't have this COVID thing. Like his best spot is to play in the AHL, but the AHL is uh, nobody knows what's going on with it, right? So the best thing for him is to play hockey. So this is their this is their backup plan. There's it's really bad for him to sit around and not play at all if Bakersfield's not going. So um, and that and that the, the the his numbers in the OHL and his numbers in the AHL. I think they're just fine. He also, you know, he, he would have been playing top minutes in the one and then became a, a rookie playing against men in the other. Um, as far as I remember watching last year, he was, he was a, a really good defenseman for them. But the biggest thing for him is to play and the things that we don't know what's going on with the AHL. He was never going to be an oiler uh, this year anyway. So, yeah, KHL is just fine. It's, and it's only because there is this whole COVID thing going on where it's putting the AHL season uh, in jeopardy. And I did see some concern, again, when the article went up on social media. I saw some concern from folks being like, why is he bailing to the KHL? But if you actually read beyond the headline, folks, pet peeve of mine, uh, <laughs> you would have saw Ken Holland did co-sign this move. So to me, that says this is exactly what you guys have mentioned, that it's just it's about getting playing time. He's already in Russia. He's there. He might as well get some at-bats in, in a, like Tyler said, a very good league that will help his development further and i bet when that one year is over and if we're back to normal-ish or whatever that looks like that he'll be right back with the condors or wherever he ends up in the organization i don't think i don't think this is one of those ones where it's a timu hardakainen where he just leaves and never comes back again so we'll see obviously there's nothing to do but guess on it but i feel confident dimitri samarikov you do you buddy you want to play a year in russia Go get it. Um, I also, speaking of going to get it, you don't have to with our friends at Skip the Dishes. They'll bring it right to you. And, gentlemen, I was very, very excited this week because on Nation Happy Hour that goes up every Wednesday and Friday, on uh, Wednesday's edition, I was talking about my personal favorite donair shop in the West End called Sam's, and it had disappeared off Skip for two months. It was gone, and I was heartbroken because I thought that they just closed because unfortunately, this is a strange period to try and operate a business, and I thought I lost them. And then after Wednesday's Nation Happy Hour, I went on skipthedishes.ca, 
and who was staring back at me but my glorious Donair shop in all its glory. So what did I do? I ordered myself a jumbo with cheese, banana peppers, sweet sauce, side of fries and gravy. Get it. Thank you. I'm an, I'm an onion rings guy. Every time I get the old Donair combo, it's always onion rings. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of restaurants that offer frings. I like oh, the combination oh, of the two. Harvey, I, yeah, I don't know if we can mention them or not, but it's Harvey's. Harvey's does the frings. Thank you very much. I'm pretty sure Harvey's is on skipthedishes.ca. So shout out to Harvey. They get are. some frings. Yeah, yeah frings. Oh. <laughs> Go on Skip the Dishes. Get some Harvey's frings. The best of both worlds because I am also an onion rings man myself. Um, in other Oilers news from this past week, Connor McDavid, the team's nominee for the Masterton Trophy. Um undoubtedly had an amazing comeback last offseason to start the season with the boys against Vancouver, scored a ridiculously beautiful goal. Connor was back. We didn't know how bad things were until that, (laughs) until whatever it takes came out, but then you really saw the work that he put into getting back on the ice. My question for you, gentlemen, an Edmonton Oiler has never won the Masterton Trophy ever. Not once. Not ever. Do you think Connor has a chance at winning this trophy, Mr. Tyler Yeramchuk? Uh, here's where I'm going, and I don't want to just squash this whole argument before it starts, but my problem when it comes to the Masterton and trying to debate who's going to win it is that I don't even know if they need to pick one winner every year because you look at that list, man, and like for me as an Oilers fan to sit here and like shake my fist and be like, McDavid for the Masterton, he needs to win. Okay, but who am I to discount what Oscar Lindblom's gone through? Who am I to discount what Jay Bomeister went through, what Bobby Ryan went through? You can go on and on and on down that list. So for me, I I honestly wouldn't hate if the NHL got rid of naming one winner for the Masterton and just put a plaque area in the Hockey Hall of Fame and every year have 31 winners, man, because all of these guys have a story to tell. And I, I have a tough time sitting here and making a case, quote-unquote, for Connor McDavid to win the Masterton when... Yes, what he went through, like, he would be a deserving winner. Oscar Lindbaum would be deserving, as I said. Bobby Ryan, Jay Bomeister, on and on and on. Like, to me, it's one of those awards that just being nominated is such a high honor. And I, I think all 31 guys who were nominated for this deserve, deserve the love. I like that a lot. Rick, Dan? I just, yeah. I'm, sorry, Rick, I'm going to jump in here because... My thing, I, I agree with what you're saying, Tyler, and I and I do think that every or most teams have the have a good nominee for this. But the the thing with for me with the Masterson Trophy, Masterson Trophy, Master, I can't even say it, apparently Masterton Trophy, is that every team puts forward a nominee, and so the ones where you're like, okay, they just picked a guy from the team because William Nylander went through a contract holdout last year. Giordano is old. Like the, the some of the reasons, it just it makes <laughs> it makes them look it makes them look like it's a weird nomination. And you're absolutely right, Tyler. There's so many stories from around the league where you're like, "Holy shit!" You know, like you said, Oscar Lindblom has has gone through you know spades of of things to deal with this year alone, and he deserves to have his name on there. Does and I'm not saying that Mark Giordano isn't a good player. But, like, why do teams feel like they have to nominate somebody if there's somebody that doesn't fit that criteria? And so I always feel like it's a it, – while it's a great honor, it's also this, like, like weird honor for some of those guys. Because, they're like, for the Oilers, for us have not, having not ever won it, there is a lot of years where we put forward a guy because he exists. It's just a it, – there's no, like – there's no, like, heartfelt reason behind it. So I wish that the – I wish that the award would become – uh, a league-wide thing that every team can have a person that gets it. If they feel like they truly have a person that deserves it and it isn't just there because they held out for a contract and then they had a good year after that. Like, it's just a it's a, it's a bar that you have to have some criteria that's set out better than it is right now. Well, then let's, let's meet in the middle then and then the league just gives out 10 or 15 every year, kind of like Hall of Fame inductions in some places, in some different leagues, right? Just pick out the ones that are deserving. And this way, you know, the ones who actually deserve it get in. And then the ones who you kind of like, we just had to pick one on our team, but nobody really fits the deal, they're left out. So let's make it 10, 15, what, not even a real number. Just pick out the real ones, let them do their thing on, you know, march them across the stage and have it, and just be done with it. I mean, 
I would I wouldn't want to decide who wins this. No. That's exactly it. That's exactly it, Bag That's the that's a perfect way to put it. No, but you'd, you'd you take decide? you'd put like eight guys in a bag and say, Well, the rest of you guys don't even compare to this. Now it's up to you eight and then at that point just say all you eight, you guys are the Masterton team. I can yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind that option. Right, because obviously yeah. there is there is obviously a line between those who do and don't, but are just kind of there. That's why they're there. So let's just take the, you know, the eight or 10 or whatever it is that actually deserve it, that would actually be in the conversation, wrap them up as one and say, you are the 2020 Masterton team. I wouldn't mind that either. Yeah, like I think a, that's a good way uh, to do it. Like a, it's almost like a, an all team award kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? When they yeah, like, everyone fits that, yeah, everyone who fits that category. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, I, like I didn't. It. I didn't mean to turn this into a debate about like the legitimacy of the award or any of the nominees or anything I like did. that. Yeah. I absolutely did. I do, to <laughs> me, it's just like you know. I I just feel like there's a. I get a weird feeling when I have to like sit there and you know I was doing it this week on the radio and it was like, you know, I don't know if we really need to sit here and go, yeah, this guy deserves it more than this guy. But that's the issue, right? Because it's the PHWA, so it's each local guy looking at their team and picking a guy out and, and just kind of forcing a person in there when really all those writers can look and say, you know, what Connor McDavid went through is impressive. What Oscar Lindbaum went through is impressive. Like those are, those are things that any kind of non Homer can, can do. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it is, it's like you said, you can start the conversation this way, but I think it is an important thing that, that we need to talk about or, or that needs to be spoken about when you talk about this award, because like Mel said, how do you choose? It just how do you choose one guy? It's silly. Uh, yeah, yep. But sticking with picking one guy for an award, we're gonna change gears a little bit to Leon Dreisaitl. As always, he is in the conversation for the Hart Trophy this year, and the debates on Twitter are shockingly bad. People move goalposts around every single year on what the Hart Trophy means, who should get it. Leon shouldn't be able to win it because he plays with Connor McDavid and blah, 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 blah. So my question for you guys, do you care about the Hart Trophy? Or are you kind of like me where I think, personally, the Ted Lindsay Award is a much more valuable award? That one is voted on by the players. If I'm a player, obviously I've never been anywhere close to playing in the NHL. So let's get that out of the way. However, if I'm a player, I would much rather win an award that was voted on by my peers rather than a bunch of media who may have not even seen me play all season long. And some, I know it's fun when people publish their, their ballots. Gregor does it every year. Um, and I love seeing who he votes for and having people yell at him one way or the other. But to me, I think the Ted Lindsay is where it's at. I want my peers to recognize what I did, not necessarily media from Boston or Toronto or Calgary or Vancouver or wherever. What do you guys think? Yeah, you're right. The Ted Lindsay definitely, you know, being uh, judged by your peers as opposed to, you know, just some random media guys uh, definitely does, uh, I think, mean more to the players. Um, the heart just has the has the name and has the history behind it. Um, yeah, I think they should definitely flip. And, and, and uh, the big trophy, the trophy you really want to win is the one voted on by your peers. And at this point, honestly, it is. There are a couple other players out there who are kind of close. McKinnon's probably the closest, but I honestly, I don't, I don't see how you don't put Drysaddle in there. You've seen so many guys win it before when they have a great player on their team. Gretzky's winning it in the '80s all the time. Look at the damn team he is playing on. I'm surprised nobody fucking shit on him for that. Like you can't hold the guy down because of who he has. Every every one of these players on a good team has other good players on their team. And, well, you know, it, to be fair, Leon got better when he left Connor's line. Well, yeah, and I mean, like, it's funny, like I said, it's funny how the goalpost moves so much because with Leon, it's like, oh, he plays on a team with Connor McDavid, so he, he, can't, he can't win this. But then you got a guy like David Pasternak, who is in the, in the conversation. He played on one of the best lines in the NHL. So, I mean, just because those guys aren't named Connor McDavid that he plays with, does it discount the fact that he's playing with some incredible players? I don't know. Well, to me, it's and- just I don't understand why it's the heart that gets put up on a, on a pedestal as opposed to the one that's voted on by other hockey players. I think you make a great point, Bag Milk. I, if I was a player, I would take more pride in winning the Lindsay because then it's like, damn, 
everyone I played against this year, or not everyone, but majority of the players I played against and I competed against think I'm the best. Like, to me, that's a higher compliment. You're right. Like, I don't want to sit here, and I'm definitely not here to, like, shit on the media or anything, um, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, no, that's, that's, not what, that's not what I'm yeah, trying to do yeah. either. It's just... But I think there's a, it's different when it's coming from your peers. And, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to shit on the media either. So I want to I want to get that out yeah. there. I just think that every single year we talk about the Hart Trophy and it's oh can a guy play? Well, he can't win the Hart if he didn't his team didn't make the playoffs. Okay, well this year there's no playoffs. Well, Leon Drysaddle's goal suppression was poor, despite the fact that he was leading the league or whatever. <laughs> well, he played on the power play with Connor McDavid. Okay, well did. I mean, did David Pasternak not score power play goals? I, I don't know. There, it seems it just, like there's me, a lot less. Weird. There's a lot less crap with the Lindsay. It just seems like clear cut. Like, hey, the players think this guy's the best. Done. Here's the award. Yeah. So I, I just, I guess, I don't understand why the heart has always been put on. Like, this is the one. This is the one everybody's talking about. When to me, like, if there was some kind of blogger champion award, and all the bloggers are like, "Bag milk, you're our boy," and I'm like, "Hell yeah, blogger guys." Not just necessarily people that read the site and say, "Hey, fuck you, man! I don't care about you." Like, well, I think you know. that I do think that there's like the, the the conversation of the the players versus the media is an actual conversation, though, and it's not to say that like any of us are dragging the media, but the but the reality is like they had to make they had to make the voting visible for people so that you could see the the homer that votes for his home team player even though that guy's not even in the conversation, right? So that so that comes into play. For me, I think it would be the heart the heart vote conversation would be better if each team's media nominated two of their own media guys to to actually have the opinion of the whole team's media instead of just anybody that's in the PHWA getting getting a vote. It's cuz it cuz it it does just it calls into question, you know, like you said where like these guys that have these moving goalposts and they change their opinion from year to year, it just makes the award lesser because because like you said, it's not cut and dry anymore. They're making it up as they go. There's the Kucherov wins the award with the the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are the best team in the league by a long shot, and then and then Connor McDavid can't win it because he's on a really good team. Or sorry, he's got really good line mates, and it's like, well, what? Like the the, the conversation every single year changes the rules and and it and it adjusts to appease whatever whatever sentiment there is out there so i think that yeah the the media the media conversation does come into it because of the few bad apples that are in the mix that have had it made it be that that our ballots can be seen now or the ballots can be seen of all these guys so yeah i think that until then the ted Lindsay award is more important and the hard trophy kind of gets gets that asterisks next to it of you know well they changed the rules this year again so that's the guy that got it this year we'll see uh i mean leon dries had a hell of a season art ross trophy in his belt uh in his pocket i should say we'll see if he follows it up with a heart we'll see who wins the ted Lindsay. to me again i think that one's the more important award of the two but nobody cares what i think people nobody cares what i think however I what you think thanks buddy i appreciate you um Changing gears entirely here. I had a thought the other day um, about players that have moved on. I don't know if we were talking about it on real life or this is just kind of something that popped in my head randomly, but I want to look at Oilers that have moved on in the past that you kind of thought was, whether it was a walked away as a free agent or maybe as a trade and just being like, man, that's the one that got away. Let's pretend that a specific Edmonton Oiler is that lady that you always had a crush on and you had a chance and it just didn't work out. You know, so I'll start off just to give you guys a, a thought about where I'm, my head is at with this. In the 90s, the Oilers were not a rich team. Often we would have players show up, they would have great years, and then they would bounce out because they just couldn't afford to keep them on a contract. Mine, that I think about specifically was, man, I wish that the Oilers didn't lose Doug Waite. Before Connor, he was the last Oiler to score 100 points. He was the most skilled player on the team. He was fun to watch. He was the captain. I used to tuck my jersey in the back because of Doug Waite. I was a little bit young to watch Gretzky. 
But because of Doug Wade, I used to do it. I love the way he dangled. I love the way he played. And I love the way he loved the city. So he gets my vote on a guy who I just, he's the one that got away from me that it, it's always hurt. Gentlemen, who is your guy that just got away? Well, being the well, same age area there, uh, you kind of stole one easy one. Um, I think one right around that same time that hurt just as bad, whether it been, it must have been just before too, uh, would be Cujo. Yeah, the same, exact same thing. I remember right? him crying when he left. Yeah, like, and it was it was the thing where we didn't have the money to keep him, and you know he was about to triple his salary and was still upset about leaving. Uh, it, we had someone with him. He, the those playoffs in ninety seven, ninety eight were were phenomenal. Um, then just having to get rid of him because of uh, because he can't afford him. That that hurt. And yeah, those are the being a fan back in the nineties. That that sucked. That was stuff that you'd grow these guys and become. They become something where you know what we're about to be out of the basement, and wham, they'd have to go off for a bigger paycheck, something we couldn't afford, and you just watch them leave the city. Another one during that time, and I'm cutting you boys off, and I hope I steal your answer, Dan. Is a guy like uh, Bill Guerin. He spent you know about two, three full years here. Over the course of his time, he had some great seasons: thirty goal season, twenty four goal season, and then again, the team just couldn't afford him, and he left. Sucked, man. It sucked. You, you didn't steal my guy, but you stole somebody that was connected to my guy. Um, the guy that was traded for Bill Guerin, Jason Arnett. Jason Arnett. He was always a guy to me that, um, you know, big power center, you know, that, that Eric Lindros kind of feel to him. And we just, he had a, he had a down year. And so they went and made the deal to, for, for Bill Guerin. Uh, I think they traded away. I, I, I was trying to bring it up here. I think it was Brian Muir with Jason Arnett uh, to to New Jersey for um, for Garen and somebody else. But anyways, just just that like a guy that we had 33-goal season as a rookie and, you know, a team in Edmonton where where we had watched and we will ha- we will have watched after that a bunch of guys walk away for money. Um, you had a guy that we had developed and, and made a, a star out of, you know, went on to get what 900 plus points in the in his career and in the NHL and, and we had him, but he was never able to, was never able to stick here. And then they, they sold him off to New Jersey. Tyler, you're younger than all of us. Yeah. So I, I'm like looking forward to your answer because whether it's a, it's a guy who walked away as free agency or whatever, I'm curious to know what you think. Like the Doug Waite one is interesting because I don't ever remember watching him play on the Oilers. Right. But uh, there's the part of me that goes, man, like what would it have been like if he was a career oiler? Like how different would things have been? Um, same thing goes for Ryan Smith as well, right? Like being a young Oilers fan, watching him get traded. We all have painful memories of that. Like, wouldn't it have been nice? And I know he eventually did come back and retired as an Oiler at a couple more years, but like, it would have been nice if he was a career Oiler, right? Like, I think it's just kind of guys like that who, who went off and had those second stints. Um, recently, if we're talking about guys that leftover contract disputes, one of the guys we brought up on real life last week, Eric Gustafson. That's a guy who the Oilers couldn't Chicago. sign after drafting him. And now he, he turned into a 60-point D-man with the Blackhawks. Like, it would have been nice to have that guy on the back end right now. Um, but I've, I consider myself lucky because I really didn't grow up in the era where the Oilers, it seemed like, were just a glorified farm team for the rich teams in the NHL, right? And uh, I think where I'm going to go with this answer is not answering your question at all, but shouting out Daryl Cates, who's kind of put a lot of money into this team <laughs> and turned Edmonton from one of the poor into... One of those teams that, you know what, if they want someone, they're not going to get outbid. I mean, that's the interesting part about the salary cap, right? It's, yeah. But, I, I mean, there are teams like the Arizonas, the Carolinas. They're still budget teams despite the salary cap. But you can't have the the New York Rangers approach to when they would just throw $9 million bucks at Bobby Holden. <laughs> like when, Glenn they, Sather, when Glenn Sather moves from the poor Edmonton Oilers to the money rich New York Rangers and just forgot how to manage money and no man I swear that was the owners going saying you know what you need to get you need to go go get everybody go get everybody go get everybody and I don't think he really got to run his own game there you know one player we did miss though that you know he was here for a very very short time that we should have made a lot more out of he's from Fort Saskatchewan Ray Whitney ah oh I thought you were gonna we go Joffrey signed- Lupel. <laughs> 
Well, that would have worked out nice. But Ray Whitney, man, he signed in 97. He played nine games here, and we let him go on waivers. Yep. Yeah. And, and then uh, look what he, and then look what he goes and does. Yeah, he I went on this, and and was he like? Correct me. If this is just off the top of my head. He was wasn't he a stick boy for the Oilers as yes, a kid he was. too? Like, yeah. so he would have had the whole story, start to finish. It would have been one of the best stories in NHL history. But no, nope, there's guess a, not. This is a good question games. for next week. This is a good question for next week too, though. Uh, is like the opposite side of this, right? The players that the Oilers scooped from somebody else early on and then made into something special. Like I think in Jason Smith off the top of my head, Steve grabbing the, from the Leafs. Steve Stamos, exactly. Like guys that guys where we took the diamonds in the rough and we made them into to what they were. Might be a good question for next week. I like that. Sure. I like that too. I also like, I'm looking at some of these Rangers um, rosters from the late 90s, 2000s. <laughs> and, uh, our team? It, yeah, they were a the lot Rangers of them. The, the Rangers in the, uh, the Rangers in like 94 had like eight or nine former Oilers on that team. Also on those teams, the late 90s, early 2000s, shout out to uh, Dan Blackburn, double, blo- double blocker. Bring, no, bring that back. Um, <laughs> we are running out of time on this week's podcast, gentlemen, so that brings us to the Oodle Noodle Hot and Cold Performers of the Week. If you head into any of the 13 locations for a takeout, curbside delivery, or dine-in order, they are donating 10% of those orders to local charities. So this week it is um, Zoe's Pet Rescue, or Zoe's Animal Rescue, and they're doing great work. Obviously, they need help all year round, but right now is actually their high season for adoptions so shout out to the folks at oodle noodle for making that happen it's a great cause get yourself something delicious to eat know that you're doing um your part to help as well so as we always do we start with the cold performers of the week Tyler, get your buttons ready i'm gonna go ahead and start this because this one happened to me the other day and it fucking irritated me i was walking my man frank he was on leash we were just walking through a park and out comes a dog trotting along off leash the guy does not seem to care that his dog is approaching mine frank's very very friendly so he doesn't care that dog attacked frank what yeah so he attacked frank a little bit but my boy absolutely dummied this little poop <laughs> i don't know if like if you can picture my dog he's a fairly small dog but he's 35 pounds of muscle and that dog did not have a chance so i split it up everything was fine but my cold performer of the week is you fuckwits that allow your dog off leash, even though first of all, a they should have been leashed, and b they're not good with other dogs. Train your dogs, people. It's not that hard. Well, performer of the week. I'm giving an air horn just for Frank for standing his own. I know I'm supposed to have a cold <laughs> performer button, but now nah, Frank Frank gets the air horn. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, Frank's a little ball of muscle, and he fucking dummied that dog, and it was like. Part of me was impressed. I was like, man, who knew you had that in you? But at the same point, like, he shouldn't have to, man. He's such a friendly dog. And if, if that's how your dog is, don't leave him off leash. Seems easy. Anyway, that's my gripe for the week. Rick, you're a cold <laughs> performer of the week brought to you by Little I'm just going to throw it out here. It's both sides. It's baseball. Figure your shit out. Let's go. Everyone else is kind of Everyone else kind of moved on. Um, let's go figure it out. This is a perfect time for you guys. You can be the only ones playing right now. You're missing out. And now you're going to, you're going to share time with everybody else, but let's just get going. I'm going to hop right in and piggyback on yours, Rick. Cause that was mine, man. I love baseball. Anyone who knows me knows how much I love playing baseball, watching baseball, anything baseball. And the owners of this league are taking a diehard fan like myself and they are killing the fan inside of me. These guys got to figure it out. I just read another or a tweet from Ken Rosenthal that said another proposal has come down from Major League Baseball to the players. I hope this is the one that fucking figures it out. Baseball's got to get that done. It's been interesting, though. Like, you see other leagues, like the NHL. We've seen so many lockouts in the NHL, but in this situation, both sides are working together to get back on the ice. Obviously, both sides have made concessions and compromises and all of that, but they seem to be working together towards a common goal, whereas baseball doesn't seem to be that case at all, right? at least not right now. Yeah. Dan, your Oodle Noodle, Cold Performer of the Week. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not so much a, a drag on the people that aren't doing it, but it's our, uh, 
it's the city's uh, fields and grassy areas, uh, which are, of course, not going to be able to get any love um, or as much love this year from the uh, the cutters. But, oh boy, trying to walk through a field of dandelions is uh, is tough on my allergies. So uh, Man, they just, my they, for the week is they geez. just cut the grass across from my place. I watched them earlier today. They said that they're they said <laughs> that they're going to be cutting that back by about a third this year, cutting the lawn three times as less. Oh, well, these guys have been out. Uh, these guys have been out twice, and at least in uh, the last. Well, three weeks. shit, Rick. Send Where them are you? Cold forward the week, Dan. I guess you could. Say, I guess you could say uh, they are just fucking ass right now. <laughs> <laughs> it is My funny though, because like it's uh, so I live next to a couple of different parks. I'm lucky, so I got to take Frank out again goes to my cold performer of the week however they're like it it seems like they're cutting part of it but another another part that would normally be cut is just being left so it's like it's kind of like the deep rough on a golf course or something like that and my man is diving in that tall grass he loves oh, they're they're not getting very close to the tree I'm, I'm taking a closer look right now they're not getting too close to the trunk <laughs> of the tree but uh because well, they gotta, the they gotta get those good. numbers up they gotta cover more ground i've got a couple of fields around me man and they all look good <laughs> come on over to Oliver come on over to Oliver if, if you guys would like us to show up and judge the fields near your house <laughs> just let us know where you're at and we'll come and judge the grass cutting near you uh, looking at, of course at a safe social distance looking at the hot performers of the week we're going to end off this week's podcast with some good news Tyler your Remchuk who is your Oodle Noodle hot performer of the week um, you know what? There, there is one, and I think it, the one I'm thinking of, we're all thinking of, and maybe we'll get to him in a second here is like a collective hot performer. So I'm going to go a different direction with mine. It's those sexy new Nation beer cans for July 1. Uh, saw them on Instagram, saw them teased. I'm liking that Nation beer cans are almost going to become like a collector's item. Like you're going to want to get like one of each as they keep coming. So uh, those new Nation beer cans are my... Hot performer of the week. Cash money. Mr. Nation Dan. Your hot hey, performer mine of the is, week. Uh, mine's pretty oddly specific. I just retweeted it there, and I'm, I'll get that out for Tyler to share. Uh, but it was a post that was shared earlier this week, Sonic 102.9, uh, where a young man saw that there was a, an older gentleman in a scooter that was just trying to get his burger on at a, at a Burger King joint and, and couldn't get in, of course, because of COVID. And so he was trying to go through the drive-thru. So this young man went out of his way to, to help the man with his order, helped him pick up his food from the window. He actually ended up paying for the guy's meal. And uh, so I want to give props to this unknown man, young man from Edmonton, but but always huge for Edmontonians to see Edmontonians helping other Edmontonians in need. So uh, my hot performer of the week is the Burger King hero. Put some respect on my Tyler. neck. Oh, Tyler's there to press the button. Good for you, Tyler. Rick, your Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week. Well, I'm going to take mine back to the beginning of this timeline, and we're going to go back to last Friday. Everybody knows I work downtown, so I had a pretty good view of the Black Lives Matter rally march, whatever you want to call it, up and down Jasper and down 109th Street, and it was very impressive to see. Everything was very well behaved. Um, it was something I've never seen before in my lot of years on this earth, so... Uh, yeah, it was really impressive. I just want to say everybody that was there did a very good job in keeping things under control and not letting the uh, the moment get to them. Definitely, uh, I just uh, I'll just add on to that proud moment for the city. I like seeing it too. All the pictures, all the videos, everybody that went down there. Um, Dude, I'm telling you, man, that that intersection at Jasper and uh, and 109 from the patio, it was crazy. There was a lot of people down there. Um, a lot of people down there. I'll finish off the hot performers of the week with what Tyler kind of alluded to a little bit. Edmonton Oilers prospect Cooper Marodi wrote a beautiful song in order of, in uh, in honor of his teammate Colby Cave entitled Agape. And I want to give a shout out to Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic who interviewed Emily Cave on what this means to her. And I just want to read uh, a portion of his article Go on over to The Athletic and check it out for the full interview. It's very, very touching. So from Emily Cave, I want to thank Cooper Marodi for the song and specifically for using words that meant so much to Colby and I. Agape was the word that Colby and I said to each other because we felt that I love you was never fully described the amount of love we had for each other. Agape is the highest form of love. Selfless, 
sacrificial, and unconditional love. It persists no matter the circumstance. I'm so grateful I got it experienced. I got to experience this love with my best friend. Getting to love Kolb is the best thing I will ever do and continue to do until we see each other again. So we are going to end off episode 90 of Oilers Nation Radio by listening to a little bit of the song dedicated to Colby Cave by Cooper Marodi entitled Agape. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.